Welcome to Questions About Heaven, a podcast about giving Bible answers to our questions about the afterlife with God. Each week we seek to answer real-life questions with biblical answers about the life beyond this world. Now, here's your host, Brad Zockel. And good day to you. This is Brad Zockel, and you're listening to the Questions About Heaven podcast. Glad to have you along. And we have been going through the book of Revelation, and uh, we have now hit, this is like the halfway point. Everything will change here. Everything starts moving in a direction that's even more dynamic than it's been. And so we've been going verse by verse. Isn't it amazing? We've gone verse by verse all the way from Revelation chapter 1. And here we are in the final verses. And this starts in verse 14, goes in through verse 19 of Revelation chapter 11. We've been reading about the two witnesses who came and were preaching repentance, turn away, turn away. People were trying to attack them. God gave them special celestial protection until their testimony had finished they were assassinated, their bodies were left to rot in the streets, they were resurrected, taken up into heaven, and lest people would think that they're seeing some sort of a CGI effect, voice from heaven is heard, then it's followed by a a supernatural event of an earthquake in which a tenth of the city is destroyed, 7,000 people die, and it says that people gave the glory to God of heaven. I'll remind you, that does not mean that they got saved. It just says they started to realize who's really in charge here. And in this, when everything happens here, it says in verse 14, the second woe is past, and behold, the third woe is coming quickly. And that's where we're going to start. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read this next part, and then we're going to kind of walk through this that we might know this small segment finishing up chapter 11 and the great significance of it. So let me go ahead with verse 14. The second woe is past. Behold, the third woe is coming quickly. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, now, this is the seventh trumpet, okay? The seventh angel sounded the trumpet. There were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God, remember those back in chapter 4, they fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord God, the Almighty, who are and who were, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. And the nations were enraged, and your wrath came. Your wrath came. And the time came for the dead to be judged, and the time to reward your bondservants, the prophets and the saints, and those who fear your name, the small and the great, and to destroy those who destroy the earth. And the temple of God, which is in heaven, was open, and the ark of his covenant appeared in his temple, and there were flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder, and an earthquake, and a great hailstorm. And the chapter finishes right there. What in the world are we seeing? And indeed, in the world, something's going on because something in heaven is happening. The judgments that have been coming on the world have started in chapter 6, 
continuing through chapter 19. And now what we have here is this part where everything goes into a second, maybe a second book, so to speak. We have a stopping point here and a moving in another way. Now, when we took a look at this, we were talking about the two witnesses. And then when everything happened, the key here is in verse 14. The second woe is past, and it says, and the word for behold is really like give your full attention to this fact. Behold, the third woe is coming. Now, if you can recall, there are obviously three woes that are being talked about here. And in here, when we look at this, let's think about this now, okay? Chapter 8 and verse 13 John is talking, and John is mentioning this eagle. In some translations might say an angel. It's really not a problem doctrinally. But there was a heavenly presence flying in midheaven. Let's go with, in one translation, the eagle. This eagle is speaking in a loud voice, which would have a universal impact here. And this eagle says, woe, one, woe, two, Woe, and the third time he says woe, to those who dwell on the earth because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels who are about the sound. Now, we've seen this, like the first four seals were significantly different from the last three seals. The first four trumpets were significantly different, and now we come to these last three trumpets, and they're the three woes. You have trumpet five, that is woe number one. Trumpet six was woe number two, and trumpet number seven is now woe number three. Now, when this all happens, think about it. In chapter eight, everything is so significant, everything stops. This is why I I tell you when people say, well, time shall be no more, know when you're using that term from uh, Revelation chapter 10, the correct uh, use of that is when the delay will be no more. Because we've had people saying, well, there is no time in heaven. Well, there certainly is. For example, when the martyrs are talking with God the Father and they're asking him in a sense of time, when will you have justice? How much longer? Well, if there was no time in heaven, they would not speak that way. And he responds to them in the uh, dimension of time. He says, a little while longer. Revelation chapter 22 in the heavenly determination of time called months, in heavenly time. Now, I'll remind you, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8, heavenly time is not the same as earthly time. We've talked about that. A day is as a thousand years, a thousand years is as a day. However, there is a marking of time in heaven, okay? The the, the break there in heaven is a half an hour. Now, when this happens, okay, the, this seventh seal has stopped, Okay, the seventh seal then introduces seven trumpets. Each of these trumpets, when they're blasted, and think about this, every time you see trumpet in the scriptures, it means something big is about to happen. Think of it any time that you see it in the scriptures. Now, when this happens, it's, as as I said, the first uh, four seals. These were the first four seals, the four horse of the apocalypse. All right, the four horsemen. And then the, the last three. Now we have the first four trumpets, 
and they are there in their judgments. But the final three, they're so deeply upsetting and uh, and so terrifying, they are called woes, a deep call of pain. All right. Now, when we start going into this, the uh, first woe was the demons let loose, or the, these ones. They go around, they are, for the course of five months, they are going around and they are in a perverse change in locust-like appearance. They do not touch the grass. Locusts here won't attack people, they will attack the grass. These ones will not attack any kind of vegetation, they go after people. Agony, uh, severe torture uh, on this. And there are still people that would reject the Lord that's the first woe, which indeed is a horrifying nightmare of, an, of, of a vision here. You go to the second woe, and you're going to go to chapter 9, and then you go to verse 13, and then what you're having is they, uh, they have an army release at this time from the underworld. You're going to see that the river Euphrates symbolically has been locking them in, and these ones come out, and they are huge in number. 200 million demons are released from there, coming around, and they are also going to uh, just absolutely circle the globe, taking over the globe, going around here. That's the second one. So the dem demonic hordes first of all, of those that would go after in this locust-like appearance. Then we have this demonic 200 million in the second woe. Now we come to the third woe in this. This is, verse 15 tells us, the seventh trumpet introduces the third woe. Now look at how this verse starts. Then the seventh angel sounds the trumpet. And there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And so when we're going into this next woe, suddenly there's this litany of praise toward the Lord. Everything seems to be exciting. Let's go into this now. Now, when you see this, it's going to move us all the way through to uh, right up to the very beginning of the millennial kingdom in chapter 20. So when you see this going on here, this is going to now open up what is known as the seven bowl trumpets. So you have a series of 21 judgments moving through God's wrath upon the earth in what's known as the tribulation. Seven seal judgments, seven trumpet judgments, and seven bowl judgments. And when they start, you'll see these coming up later on chapters ahead. So what happens is, when this is going on right now in the seventh trumpet. Now, I want to read the singing here, the saying, as it says, and find something very impactful as we're going through this on what's being said here and give you some Greek words that might help explain some things here. In all of this, as this sounds, the loud voices in heaven, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. This is a call of victory. We've won, all right? Now, it hasn't even happened yet, but this is what's going on by them singing. What it's saying is, we are sure that this is going to happen. It's like when Christ is coming, 
we will see in Revelation 19, the battle hasn't started, but his robe is just splattered with blood, signifying the work that was already done in the cross. The victory is assured. I, I like to tell my class, it's, it's almost like this. Your favorite team is in the Super Bowl, and in this game, you are given the offense. You're on the one-yard line, ready to go in and score a touchdown, and you are winning. There is one minute to go in the game before anything moves. You are given an 80 to nothing score a lead. You can't lose. It's guaranteed. Oh, there's going to be a movement here, but you're not going to lose this game. It's 80 to nothing. There are 59 seconds to go. You're on the one-yard line about to move in again. I would say it's pretty assured. Even more than that, you have these elders calling out. The kingdoms of the world, they've, they've lost. This is all taken over. The kingdoms are now of our Lord and his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. In this, we're seeing this. You may have had a victory, and after a couple of weeks, you know, your promotion or your favorite team won or something along that line, you're very excited, but it subsides. I can remember reading an article, uh, reading a book in my uh, high school years of a fellow that was on uh, the University of Texas football team. And whether they had won a championship or he was referring to someone, he was very shocked and uh, but then he realized the truth of this as a football player. A team, a college team, had just won the championship. They were in the locker room being interviewed by the sports reporters. And as they sat down, immediately the players started saying after their first cheer of victory, we're coming back next year. We're going to win this thing again. And this athlete who wrote this book said their satisfaction wasn't even a half an hour. They're already talking about next year how fleeting the college championships are, or for that matter, the professional football or the soccer championships are. They're only there, temporary, but this is reigning forever and ever. Can you imagine this? You are going to win. You're never going to lose with Christ. In the grand variety and celebration of heaven, you are going to have a constant victory here. The 24 elders sing about this. They sat before God in the thrones and in great joy, they fall in obeisance. They fell on their faces and worshiped God, giving him obeisance, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was and who is to come, encompassing, encompassing all of the aspects of time. Because you have taken your great power and reigned, the nations were angry. Your wrath has come the time of the dead, and they should be judged that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints, and those who fear your name. We've talked about the rewards, and they are given to the believers, the ones who have served so faithfully, and those who fear your name, small and great, and who should destroy those who destroy the earth. Okay, This is a thankfulness over who the Lord is and what he can do. It says here, the nations were angry. All right, They show their anger, but then he returns their anger. And I found something quite fascinating about this. The word that they use in their anger is orge. And orge is kind of like a swelling to an explosion. And it can be like this. In the 1970s, I believe it was 1977, 
down at Toccoa Falls uh, Bible College in Toccoa, Georgia. There was an earthen dam that was holding back, I don't know, it might have been, I think, 400 acres of water. And there were continual rains for over a week there. And this earthen dam, it, it was it was pushing, the water was pushing, pushing, and finally there was an explosion. The dam broke, it, uh, it exploded open, water shot down there, and there were many deaths on that campus, a very unfortunate thing, a very sorrowful thing uh, that happened. That was the swelling of that dam. The water was so much that it couldn't hold it back. That's orge. That's orge. There's another word for anger in the Bible, thumos, but you would put that in the sense of the turning on of a pot of water, and it slowly starts to rise and slowly starts to boil, and then it boils, and then you turn it off and it goes back down slowly. Orge is an explosion, and so it's this. They want to throw an explosion of anger at God, and then he says, oh, is that the way you want to go? I think of Psalm 2. You better kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way. Their deciding of explosion is as futile as whenever in Revelation chapter 19, they're going against Jesus in Armageddon. It's kind of like this. They are throwing the equivalent. When, when God has the equivalent of a nuclear bomb, they have the equivalent of a firecracker in the backyard. There's nothing there. His anger against theirs is so much more destructive then. Then it says the temple of God was opened in heaven, and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple, and there were lightnings and noises and thunderings and earthquake and great hail. Now this ark is talking about the presence of God as the ark was in the Old Testament. God's authority, God's throne, this is his covenant with his people. The Ark of His Covenant of His Covenant, meaning His promise, was seen in His temple. The Ark, God's faithfulness, His love for us, as we see, His mercies are new every day, Lamentations chapter 3. Great is His faithfulness. And this Ark reminds us of this. Now, in that, we also are reminded about the lightnings and noises and thunderings and earthquake and great hail. All of these are supernatural. They are fearful to the unbelieving. They are comforting in the power. It's like the grand uh, armament of God in saying this, I will protect you. Go back to chapter 11, and the temple is measured out, and God is saying, it's mine, it's my property, and I will protect it. The whole earth, as Jesus has taken claim of that scroll of authority of the universe in Revelation chapter 5, it's now being realized, and there's a grand celebration here. And with that, we move on to the next uh, teachings of the wonders of the final judgments here. God's wrath, God's justice, God's sovereignty. He is the one in charge. One of the terms used, the Lord God Almighty, is pantocrator, which actually means the one who can, if I can put it this way, it's kind of like, the one who can move history with his hand. And indeed, we're seeing him doing this here. The delay, as it said in Revelation chapter 10 and verse 6, is no more. There's no more delay. We're seeing God's justice done. A wonderful truth. I want to thank you for listening here. This is Brad Zockel with Zulon International Bible Institute. Hey, thank you so much for listening in. I hope you took some notes here. If you didn't, if you were listening in the car, rewind it. Keep listening to this. And and understand the uh, the power of the Lord 
of the wonderful Yahweh who can make all this happen. And as he has, we are just very excited. I'm very excited to be on the Heaven Tour with these Heaven is Home conferences that I've been doing. We've had them in Alabama. We've had, we are having one in Maryland next week. Had it in Savannah, Georgia area, over in Tennessee. And it's just a wonderful time to be able to get together. And if your assembly wants me to come, well, you've got to contact me. Let's see if we can't get together and have a time face-to-face whether I'm giving you it, it, the, the truths of heaven for the believer, the promises through a PowerPoint as we see it in the scripture, or I'm just there in a Q&A time, we can have a time of a one or two day conference as your assembly would like. And I'd love to come. If you would pray for us and if you feel that you want to help us in the ministry that I'm doing as I'm going around, I'm moving that old Honda CRV up and down the road here and reaching people. If you can help out with uh, giving that could put a tank of gas in the car as I go, or help me as we are distributing uh, our newsletter and uh, uh, maybe uh, getting our next book ready. Anything along that line, it would be greatly appreciated. We are a 501c3 nonprofit corp- uh, corporation, and so we can uh, get you a tax break on that gift, and you will receive a tax receipt. We appreciate you so very, very much. You make sure that you get a hold of us. Learn some more about our ministry. It's Zulon.org. Zulon, X-U-L-O-N, and soon to come, you'll be seeing our Heaven Tour website. That's going to be happening too. Thank you. God bless you. And Lord willing, we will talk soon. Thanks for joining us this week on Questions About Heaven with Brad Zockel of the Zulon International Bible Institute. Be sure to visit our website, Zulon.org, to learn more about our Bible ministry. That's X-U-L-O-N.org. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. And keep an eye out for our upcoming ebook, Questions About Heaven. Thanks, God bless you, and have a great day.